Hey, everybody, it's John, and thanks to everybody who helps us out every week by going to patreon.com slash steal this beer and throwing a couple of bucks our way so that we can mail beers to our guests and have some fun conversations resulting from that. So uh, if you're not already, go check it out. It's patreon.com slash steal this beer. Uh, as Cass says, a little bit goes a long way, and we appreciate the support. Now, here come the sirens. Steal This Beer, a candid weekly discussion about beer, over beer, by a couple of guys that think about beer way too much. Hey y'all, it's 5 o'clock on Monday and we are stealing beer. I'm Brian Cass. Hello, Brian Cass. What the hell's going on? I, I do not know. Last I heard, Augie stole your fixie um, and hasn't returned. Um, you know, so I haven't seen him in a week. He borrowed it last Sunday, and he's apparently in France now, riding around the Pyrenees or something. So, yeah, and and we're hallless as well. And, you know, I feel he's well. We we do know where he's at. He is he's doing God's work for the ale ale and loggers out there at great american beer fest so this is like the first time it's been back since 2019 ah i guess so i don't know i've never been um it is on the bucket list of of shows you've never been to gabf i have not mr i I drink good beer has not been to the the be all end all of, of beer fest so yeah one day one day we'll get there hopefully steal this beer road trip the canning industry doesn't send you out there no, not not unless it's CBC. Well, well, CBC is way more fun anyway. But GABF's its own, you know, its own thing. Its own thing. It's a uh, lot. It's like a well, big party. We'll do a field trip, steal this beer. Hopefully, one year. I'm not sure that Augie's ever been to GABF either. So I've I don't think I don't think so either. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well, well, we do have a guest here, and you know, maybe they've been to GABF. Um, you know. I'm I'm a big fan of this brewery. Um, obviously, I've, I've I've known them for a little bit, and we wanted to have them on a show today. They're making some fantastic suds out in Pennsylvania, um, and have a pretty cool story behind them. I'd like to welcome Kevin from Hidden River Brewing Company. Hello, everyone. What's happening, Kev? What's what's going on? What's good in the world? How's how's the uh, the day shaking for you? Uh, the sun's shining. It's a you know a perfect day already. Are you calling in? Your mic there, Kevin. Oh wait, not on. Yeah, it's a little bit closer. That'd be good. All right, how's that? That's better. Okay, thanks. I mean, are you calling in for the brewery this morning, or, or are you at home? Uh, I'm calling in from the brewery. Uh, Saturdays are always like, I feel like there's always a million things to do in a brewery on a Saturday morning if it didn't get done on a Friday, and today is no day different than any other day. So, I'm, I'm, huh. gotcha. Expecting a big crowd here today as as the the cool weather hits. You know what? It's you. It's one of those days where it's like it's perfect for what I would like to do for like drinking weather. So I I assume it's going to be great. We have some nice, awesome new beers out today that I think people will enjoy in this weather. Thank. Hey, oh, that's awesome, man. Well, let's you know kind of segue into it. You know, tell us a little bit about you know Hidden River. You know, what's what's the history for for our listeners that you know may have not been been to this area of Pennsylvania? Um, 
you know, you're doing wonderful things, as I said, to, to kick off the show. But tell us what you got going on. It's our seventh year. Uh, we started off three-barrel brewery, so not uncommon to many three-barrel breweries, except, you know, we kind of started in this building, which is like a 1700s mansion. Not an ideal place to start a brewery in, but it had a lot going for it for a pub. But for production, it was like, all right, let's see what we can do with this. Because we are kind of out there. We're near Reading, Pennsylvania. And uh, we turned and burned that system for a good long time. And it was it was cool. We were, you know, three-barrel brewery. You're selling that all in-house. Um, it was before, like, even crawling was a huge deal. And, uh, you know, we upgraded a couple years ago. We put in a nice 10-barrel system. Uh, basically tripled our production. And same thing, we just brew, you know, three, four days a week. And now it's a little bit different. I mean, the world's changed a little bit in the last couple of years, but still the pub still rocks, but uh, we still definitely are heavy production on canning. And that's, you know, that's like our story in terms of like, we start off small and we got to grow nicely and move through you know, exactly what we want to do. It's, it's, it's uh, working out great. Are you doing, uh, are you canning mostly hazies or what's your, what's your focus if you have one there? Yeah, when we first started, it was, you know, with three barrels, you have a lot of playtime, you have a lot of room, but hazies were definitely something that, like, you know, we didn't start off that way. I think we started off kind of heavy on the Saison range and that was kind of fun. It was, it was nice to be able to, you know, do what you can do with that. And then, you know, a year later, I think the haze craze caught up with us in terms of we really got to figure out this thing we're drinking the ones we love but it's like all right what can we do on this system that we felt like had limitations and uh yeah we kind of start off nice and i think it was 2016 the hazies were you know kind of what we started making and i guess it kind of just something we had to keep doing and we never kind of got to get off that i'd say like double ipa is like 95 percent of our production wow 95 percent I'd say so. I mean, then there are 5%, you know, it, it's heavy lager with that 5% that can say heavy lager, but if it's not like, like a lager or stout or maybe a bitter, it still falls into IPA pale ale. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, we brew three times a week, three, four times a week, and we got to kind of replenish what we lose three, four times a week. So within that 95%, is it like variations on a theme? Are you still, are you brewing like the same beers over and over? Or is it kind of a million different versions of, you know, of one beer? You know, in, in the beginning, it was kind of like, all right, three barrels, you know, it was it's no big deal. You can make a new one every week. And people kind of liked it because it was on for the week, then it was off. So putting a new one out was kind of fine dandy. We didn't have to, we didn't have hop contract with three barrels. It was just spot buying completely. So it was kind of fun. And then I think about two years ago, it started to become, you know, we can't repeat, we can't make a new beer. We can't put a new label out almost every week. We, people are, you know, we get new customers now and they kind of want to have those ones that people did like. And so I'd say maybe like 30 plus, maybe 40 a year we redo and we'd redo maybe once or twice a month here and there. But for the most part, three, I'd say one is new every week, if not two. Gotcha. And that's not all double. That might be like a pale ale, a single IPA. It's, it's kind of nice. We can kind of focus on how we're moving through it week by week. But we know we have to have double IPA always at the forefront. 
Yeah. And is it all New England style or do you yeah, we don't, the West we don't like label it? You know, we yeah. kind of call it double IPA then like or IPA. We didn't are they all New England? Yeah. Yeah. But for us it's like I think we were always hoping that people like got what we were trying to do and I think we always had a, a you know a set flavor. And so yeah, we we never we didn't want to pretend like it wasn't New England, but we just always put like on our cans or on our you know on our board or draft board. I always just said double IPA. Yeah. Um, this is a question I used to I used to write about music a long time ago, but I would always ask bands that uh, I was interviewing like who their influences were. Do you have influences within the industry for those styles? For these styles, I mean, I feel like the ones who were starting it are still great at it, you know? Um, in terms of like the hazy style, I guess I would say, I think, I think you start finding new influences all the time because, you know, I don't get to just drink the same breweries all the time. I mean, like right now, I think some newer heavy influences are like Biden's. Um, I think yeah. they're doing some really great stuff. But then I always like, you know, look back and I like drinking burial. I like drinking, in Pennsylvania, I mean, there's just so many who do make it in like the more or less pub scene, like Crime Punishment in Philadelphia. There are just so many that make the style well and have a different taste, but are, we're all doing the same thing that you start to just find their flavors and really like take into them a lot and saying, you know, what does it, does anything separate us all? Do the customers really know what's going on? And I think there is, I think there's a wide range of flavors going on and it's pretty cool to keep experimenting and keep finding how everybody keeps influencing each other. Nice. So one thing we asked you to do, I don't know if you're participating, but I, I didn't get the, beer, the blind beer sent out today. So we're not going to do that uh, on this episode. But sorry, y'all. We're still, I said, sorry, I'm just apologizing to, to the fans oh. here, you know, that, that we could not go blind today, but uh, I think everybody's got something, you know, tasty in front of them for sure. Yeah, so uh, I was going to say, we'll, we'll, we'll go around the horn and, and talk about what each of us is drinking. I just cracked uh, an American brown ale. So very much not a New England hazy IPA from a brewery called Good Nature Farm Brewery and Tap Room, which I'm not familiar with. Cass, you said you know them? uh yeah i mean they've been around for for quite a bit i remember drinking one of their beers uh at a festival a tap ny long ago probably somewhere in uh 2013 um so yeah they're they're tucked i've not been to the brewery uh unfortunately it's tucked away up there in the adirondacks but um they're doing good things yeah this is a nice uh nice classic american brown ale it's a little high on booze it says it's 6.2 percent which i think is a little high for a brown ale i, I prefer the or the Newburgh style, I think, which I think is around four percent. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it's good. What are you drinking, Cass? Uh, I got myself uh, a Genesee Oktoberfest. Um, as we get to the cooler months, uh, it's one of my favorite styles to drink around these times. Um, it's 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 delicious. Um, first beer of the day, right after a sandwich here, so it quenched the thirst, and uh, it is almost gone golden in color uh some sweet malts and some spiciness from the noble hops i was trying to to read up on it before uh, i cracked it here didn't specify too much what's in there but um really enjoying it and i'm about to reach for a second one here as we we crest through the episode what you got kev what what a, what did you pour in your glass well i want i wanted to find something that i i haven't had and 
this seemed to be a week around the brewery where nobody brought anything interesting in except for it was one of our brewer's birthdays and uh, I just kind of stole one of his bottles that I bought him. So I'm drinking <laughs> an Allagash. Uh, it's pick your own. It's a sour ale with on oak uh, with cherry, strawberry, raspberry, and blueberry. I've never had this one and he's not going to have it either. So <laughs> <laughs> have you cracked it yet? How, how's it, how's it tasting right now? I love it. It's a, uh, I didn't necessarily want to have a high glass of acidity in the morning, but uh, everything is like all the flavors have just mellowed into a nice berry and the acidity is just at that right level where it's not too puckering. I kind of like for a morning drink, I'm, I'm really digging it right now. Um, definitely strawberry comes through and all these nice flavors that come through and it's kind of exactly what I was hoping for, especially on like, I love all Allagash's beers. I think they have, the test of time brewing consistent beautiful beer forever and uh this is no different than what i expected yeah allagash is a big uh, big hit on this show for sure anyone that's listened knows that uh, every time i send a almost every time i send a blind allagash beer to these guys that they either pick it as allagash or just love it so it's, which uh, actually that's 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 a good segue uh justin to actually speak have kev have you had haunted house from allagash their their hoppy dark ale um but it is definitely one we suggest you seek out if you haven't had it already i haven't but still with the segue i was at someone's house the other day and he had ghoul ship which oh, yeah. was one of which i haven't had in years that's one of the cool ship beers with pumpkin i think right it is yeah and I was, I was, it was like kind of, again, perfect for him. Like, I just, I was at his house and he has a beautiful cellar. And I was like, I wonder if he has this beer only because I'm really in the mood to have it. And my God, he had it on the shelf. <laughs> now, how do they make that? How do they do the pumpkin in that beer? Is that something that is in the cool ship when they knock it out? Or is something added, you know, during fermentation or the mash? I think it's added later on. Yeah. Um, the spices, I mean, it's all the spices there and it's definitely... They mellow out over time, but they're still there. Um, yeah, there's a very cool body to the beer in general, and I think there's where you start to find the nuances of that that specific you know cool ship beer. There's oh, very good. Do you do you make any beers with with pumpkin in them? You know, with the saisons or, or try to do anything uh, unique like that. We had a whole series a long time ago. It was around you know for the Halloween season, and it. You know, it was always in the pumpkin area. We had like a name for it. And then every year we just ripped off the same name with the different beer style. And so the first year was like a brown ale. And then the second year was a porter. One of the cooler years, uh, the chef um, at the time for the restaurant here, he, he smoked the pumpkin, he smoked peppers, he smoked hops. And that was just for novelty. But it was an imperial stout with all that going on. And that was very cool. Um, and so it's all, it all, and I think the last time we did it was like 2019 and it was a barley wine and, uh, like an American barley wine and it was cool, but, um, that was the last, you know, hurrah into the, into the pumpkin world for us <laughs> before the hazies took over. Well, it was just one of those things where it was, you know, when people come here, they definitely seek out specific styles and it wouldn't have been enough to keep people's interest. It would have been, uh, a pumpkin beer that's on around Christmas time too. Yeah. So there's a restaurant there. What's like, what's the experience? Like I, I wasn't familiar with you before Cass mentioned, you know, you having you on the show this weekend. Like if I go visit uh, hidden river, I can eat there too. Yeah. 
it's just a very simple menu, um, paninis, soft pretzels, just enough that when people do, I mean, because I said we are out there. It's just enough for people to, when they do come here and they spend an hour or the half the day here, that there's enough, you know, that there's something to pique their interest. And so the menu um, stays pretty consistent, but it's, you know, three or four vegetarian paninis, three or four meat paninis, a soft pretzel plate, um, hummus and pita, just enough. Because our kitchen is very tiny. It, you know, it's all like basically electric style cooking, commercial electric style cooking, because again, it's an old house. And so it was never kind of set up. And I well, ironically, it was a it was a restaurant before we had it. But that area of the house is no more. It's it, that that's just, everything's changed. So when we kind of put a, our own kitchen in. It wasn't really set up to do fryers or burgers or traditional pub fare. So we kind of had to do with it what we can do. Cool. And are you actually located along a river? We are. We're right on the Schuylkill River is directly across the street. Oh, cool. So it flows to Philly, right? Yeah. So it starts, I don't know where it even starts to be honest with you, but yeah, it flows right into Philly. And so the whole, the Schuylkill River Trail is right across the street. And, you know, you can pick that up here and you can, you know, make yourself right into Maniunk. It's, it's, you know, good mileage away, but you can do it. People do it all the time. Cool. Yeah, so Cass, Cass was there. telling me that you recently expanded to a much bigger space. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in 2000, is that on the same premise or yeah, it's on the same premise. So okay, like, okay. So two, two different places. It's yeah, it's like it's on the other side of the parking lot. I mean, and the parking lot is not very big as it is, but um, so yeah, we we brewed in the building. Uh, so the building has a long history. I don't have to go into all that, but at one point, it's like before we started, you know, to take it over. It was a restaurant for a good 30 years, and then. It's that abandoned, and then the owners of the building were going to do kind of a, I guess, house museum for the area. They're into a cool history of kind of folklore and mystery and ghosts, we'll even say. And Did I read somewhere that it used to be like a gentleman's club or a brothel or something? It that right? was. In the early 1900s, it was... It was a gentleman's club for for like high society Philadelphia and Reading. <laughs> like the 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 owner handpicked his customers, and so it, you know through prohibition, it had a cool history going as well. Um, and that stayed like that for a long time. I mean, until the '60s, and then in the late '60s, a restaurant came in. That restaurant went out, and then the '70s, a new restaurant went in and stayed until 2009, I believe, and. So then it was kind of abandoned. The, the owners took it over. And this, I can go, this is like family. Um, my wife's parents bought it. It was just going to be demolished. And they didn't really have know what to do with such a huge property. So you know, here's me. And they say, would you be interested in starting a brewery there? <laughs> and I thought that was crazy. That was just home brewing. You know, I had no professional brewing background. Yeah. And uh and their son, he said, you know, we can do, we can, I'll help, we can do all this together. And we, we did, we all as a family kind of had it up and running. And so let's talk about that for a minute. So you, you, do, you didn't have any professional brewing experience before opening this brewery. Um, did you bring on people that did, or how did you like, I guess, learn the ropes in terms of like full scale production? It, that it was, you know, it, a lot of luck, I guess. I mean, no, zero 
experience. I mean, every homebrewer, you know, has some passion behind them, and it was the same thing. I mean, it was all right. I was working in the newspaper industry before this, which is kind of something I love doing. But print had, was having its, you know, is its last leg. Were you a writer, editor, or what? What, what did no, you? I, no, I worked. I was like sales, and there was always oh, okay. involved and layout and all those things. Okay. And at one point, you know, everybody who was working there was probably doing three or four jobs that they weren't qualified to do. But because <laughs> it was just, we, it was a, it was, you know, it was a bigger newspaper, but it was just the way it was going. And I just saw my time there dwindling down, and so it took me a little bit to be encouraged by my wife, but definitely a big part of saying if you don't do it you're going to regret it and i'm thinking to myself what am i going to regret in the end you know failing at something that <laughs> i like doing i mean i mean it seemed like why not give it a chance because i got nothing else said as a backup plan and no so i had zero experience we went into a completely blind in an area that did not have a heavy population and you we were kind of kind of a lot going against you and uh the first year went great i mean it was you know we opened up like july and it it went great. Yeah, it was it was a nice following right away. Um, Do you think then, that's a benefit? Like, there's not a lot else going on in that area. Maybe you're you're an attraction. I I felt like that. I mean, there was there was breweries in Reading and in the Kutztown area, and even in Pottstown. There and then to Royersford, there was some things going on, but all those things said and done, they're 20 minutes away from you. So it's like you're still seeking out people that are gonna go to this place to have beer that they've never heard about. And at, I think in 2015, that was, it was, I think the pub atmosphere had a, had a refinement to it. And we didn't have that going in. Yeah. You know, we had definitely more of a grassroots feel and that was fine. And I loved the feel we had. And then, you know, I think uh, January rolls around six months in and I felt good about it, but I was living in Philadelphia and I was commuting a good hour to get out here. And that was kind of taking its toll on me and uh a customer uh who was i guess pseudo regular at that point he offered some free time and i was like well, i'm not gonna turn it down and he had zero brewing experience too less i mean <laughs> i mean i at least homebrewed for a good you know four or five years he had like five homebrews made <laughs> but that guy a little bit younger than me only by two years he came off and running. He wanted to know everything. He wanted to dig his teeth into everything. And four months in, he, he, you know, we made everything together, and it was great. And I mean, now he's he's the head brewer now, and it's still here, still like completely involved in wanting to make everything better and better. And so it's that thing where no, we had nobody with professional experience, but everybody with a good drive. So how 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 big are you now? How many employees do you have now? Like you, that guy's the head brewer now. What's his name? Josh. Cool. Shout out to Josh. Um, and you have a chef that does other things. Well, the kitchen the kitchen changed over the years, and that yeah. that was all in part with just COVID happening and everything yeah. else, and having to be shut down for certain periods of time, and you know, so all those things kind of came like at a real big, you know halt for a place that was primarily 90% draft year. And so when that change, when that, when, when 2020 happened, we went, we were fortunate to ship right to canning everything we make. 
And that's when you met Brian Cass. That's when I met Brian Cass. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think well, well, that was before the pandemic, though. I think we started can. Yeah. yeah, we started canon before that. Um, and, it was, and it was like maybe once a month, uh, maybe twice a month here and there. But then in 2020, it became every single week until this day. Yeah. You're canning every, once a week. Wow. Once a week, and, baby. And so I'd say 90% of you know what we do is our sales is canned beer. Now, I would say it now is still all this stuff being sold on premise. Now, obviously, you're, you're making more beer than, than you used to. Um, yeah. Is some of this getting out to the draft lines? Are you sending stuff to Philly for, for draft and package? Or is everything just still consumed on site? You know, tell us a little bit about, you know, how the expansions, you know, affected, you know, the sales and how it how it goes. Now, when we expanded in like, you know, when we first started doing like, in the new building in 2019, yeah, we were kind of caught off guard from making three barrels to, you know, doing 10 barrels. And the yield on some of those things are just completely different where it might've been just two barrels of a double IPA to then going to like eight and a half. So you had a lot more and the pub was still kind of operating as, as it was. So we, it was still kind of operating as if we only had three barrels and we, you know, and, I think at that point, the line life kind of ceased and there was no one standing in line. So we're canning this beer, but we didn't need to have as much as we were doing. And so then we kind of backed off a little bit, started doing more draft. Before you know it, you're getting way in way over your head. So we took on a lot of accounts and it might just be one keg, these accounts, but there was, you know, from zero accounts to like 30 plus, it was a lot. And that was from as far as Lancaster, Pennsylvania, to Philly, to as far north as uh, Lehigh Valley. And so it was, it was all around and it was a lot, it was kind of like labor intensive because I was doing all the deliveries at that point. I just, you, you, know, I didn't know what was, you didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know if like, is this just something we're doing once in a while, or is this going to be like an answer to having too much beer? Yeah. And then, you know, all of a sudden when 2020 happened, uh, those 30 accounts went away. <laughs> and so that's we started canning everything and, I'd say right now, 1% or less is offsite. Everything else is in-house. Wow. Wow. And so you, you can once a week, do you, do you sell all of that that week or do you have, like how, like how does that flow work? Yeah, you know, we, you know, we probably move through three beers a week, put three new ones on, two beers a week, put two new ones on. You know, it's, we're fortunate to kind of have the flow down that we know what we're gonna go through. Um, and that's it's a good thing. It's it's couldn't that change? Sure, but it's been a nice, solid two years of kind of figuring it out. Yeah. And in that time, though, you know, we didn't keep the pub. We kind of we kept the pub open during the last two years, but we didn't do draft for a year and a half. And I felt like that was kind of a common thing for a lot of breweries. Um, not a lot, but there were some. Some of the ones I looked up to in the area, in the Philadelphia area, and you know, some of their kitchens closed down, some of them didn't. And for us, it was like. We'll still have people on premise because we can, I mean, it's a 180 car parking lot. We can have a lot of people here and we have a vast outdoor space. So people felt very comfortable coming here, but we're like, you know what? We're not going to do draft because we're going to, if, if we have all this beer, we start putting the kegs again, where's it going to go if we can't be open? So we said canning is the way to go. And we never looked back on that. And so it was, it was kind of awkward. We did feel at one point where it's like, all right, people are kind of tired of the can and the glass thing on site. 
And so we didn't do draft until October last year, 2021. And then we expanded the whole draft system this year. We put in a whole new draft system, have three bars open inside and wow. all flows kind of lovely, you know, and it's nice. Some of the beers, you know, some of the kegs will, and we, we don't, we're only open Thursday through Sunday and it's, I mean, we close at 8 p.m., which seems <laughs> ridiculous, but we are out there and a lot of our it. businesses at noon, one o'clock, two o'clock. Yeah. My favorite hours to drink between 12 and 8. I, I think so. For me, it is because, you know, what? everybody gets out of here. They're driving to get here. So some people got a trip to make. Um, you know, so, the, the latecomers, they know they don't have to, like, be out of here until, like, 9 o'clock. You know, they get their last call, you know, 10 to 8, and they're still, you know, we're not, gonna, you're not, we're not being forced out of the building. So within but, those three bars or among those three bars uh, at your place, how many draft lines do you run? There's eight on one, then four and four. So we try to keep everything accessible to somebody else. And because the building is huge. And so, and it's like I said, it's an old mansion. So you have these rooms you walk into and one of the bars is outside. So that bar, you know, come December is pretty much done until spring. But then you still have the other one, which is inside and in the larger room. Only four draft lines, but it's still nice. You can still have your, you still have enough variety. We try to at least keep a side pull on every bar. We try to keep, a double I, you know, a double IPA in that bar, parallel in that bar. Some days it is all double IPAs in that bar. We take the side pull off. You never really know, but at the same time, we try to make it what we feel like people are going to be into. Please tell me you have a working fireplace in that mansion. There's a lot of working fireplace. That's how the entire <laughs> building is pretty much heated. Really? Wow. That's amazing. I want to visit it like right now. <laughs> oh, it's, it's like it's, 45 it's, degrees in Brooklyn today. So the, the whole place is a sight to see. I mean, it, it's what uh, there's so much decor all around the walls old photos taxidermy uh, it, it's it's a museum in itself you could literally spend there from 12 to 8 drink at every bar inside and out um and have plenty of sandwiches i mean <laughs> is each bar have a different vibe to it you know kev um yeah, because like the, the, the ironically the one with the eight taps is the smallest of them all but that was like our original bar we first opened and it, you know, when we first opened, we didn't, you didn't know what was going to happen. So we, we didn't, it wasn't funded in the sense where we can do what we want to do. It was going to be a little bit, um, you know, let's see how this works out. And then we have the space to expand as we go. And so that bar was, it was small. It was nice. The brewery was like in the room next to it. And again, it was like two, three barrel vessels for, you know, for your mash tun and your boil kettle and a hot water on demand. And then there were two jacketed five barrel fermenters in that room. And then through another, and then there was your cool, your bright tanks. And then there was another cool that was, wasn't a cooler anymore. It was decommissioned that had like seven other small fermenters, seven three barrel fermenters in it. And so it was like, it was so, it was the most labor intensive way to make beer. Cause you're like, there was no drainage in these rooms. You're like, you're, you're dropping your hops and you're carrying out in five gallon buckets to go to a drain. It was horrible in terms of that. Fun because you never did it before, but horrible because like, man, you're just all the things that are so easy for any other brewery. We're like, we're like laughing at ourselves for how ridiculous we're making it. The original bar is the most special bar to you in the, in, in the place. It, to me it is. Yeah. Because it's like, we got to still keep the same vibe. We just kind of changed it all around. It was, you know, a direct draw system from the cooler that was on the other side in the brewery to being, you know, a nice, like called, you know, cooled system now. And so, I like the way it flows. I like it. it's a little bit more open now because the room next to it is like the takeout room. So 
that's like a heavily used room because you know a lot of customers come in that room and don't even walk into the into the bar and they just walk right in and walk out and then for the people who are really interested people who spend their day here or come here two days a week uh they have uh, they have they have some rooms to choose from you know and especially when the winter comes like i'm sitting in this quaint library room with a fireplace castle saying there's like uh taxidermy and stuff was that stuff already there or did you put that in like how no, much did, when, did you inherit so when the owners got the building it was you know it like i said it was a restaurant and it was it was a nice restaurant for its day but uh there was it was uh, you know the usual things that happen when a building's abandoned for years and so when they decided to decorate the building i mean the brewery wasn't in mind to them they were just gonna do what they wanted to do um they kind of kept the vibe of who the owners were before them and before it was a restaurant so the taxidermy goes back to the brothel owner who was you know who loved you know i'm not sure if he loved hunting or anything like that i actually don't know him, but some of these things were things that were written about about him that we knew he had a deer head on this wall or a bear and so they kind of found these things at auction and then later kind of, you know, put them into the way that the building flowed. Awesome. It's, so it's, is it, it's, it's like, it's kind of kitschy and kind of cool. And it's, it's, it's a unique place, no matter how you look at it. It's like there, I don't know places like this. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It sounds super awesome. I, I really want to, <laughs> I really want to visit. And it's haunted, correct? Yeah. It has a long history of, you know, tales told by, you know, former staff members and then things you read you can still read online i mean it's all what you want to believe so have you experienced yeah. anything Kevin? yeah and nothing too like horrible or like nothing like it was you know little things like i remember brewing you know we first we weren't even open yet and i was maybe doing some of the first beers and i i look out one of the windows and i see a woman walking in and at the time there was a woman who was here like every day because she was the owner of the restaurant before it was a brewery and she was like there's a barn on the premise and she was selling antiques in it and i i swear i see her and i think nothing of it and then you know i see some people i say hey i saw blah 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 walking in I'm like well she doesn't have keys to this building anymore i'm like well i saw her walk in and then a couple of days later someone's like hey there's a woman just sitting in the back room by herself. <laughs> it's like <laughs> described as the same person I saw and there's nobody there. Oh my God. So there's those things. And then once you, know, dead, right? <laughs> when you know a place has a little bit of a haunted history, you're kind of like, uh, you know, that was my, to... yeah, that was my follow up. How much of that, like, you know, uh, suggestion like plays into what you think you see and all that stuff. So. Well, one of the brewers would, you know, he, he would, well, clean kegs at night. And so he, I'd walk over and or I'd walk, I'd drive over and walk in from the parking lot and I hear like the loudest noise possible. And he has like his, his iPad on like the mash tun watching a game at full volume because he does not want to feel what's around him. <laughs> <laughs> and there was, and there were, you know, people who did live here, even when it was a brewery and this, and they'd have the same similar tales you would have heard things that they can't explain shadows that would be there all the time. And even the one day it was, and I, this is just one because it was so real and it was actually like something where I felt it, where I went upstairs to do some of the pub laundry and, and I walk into a room and I don't, I have like my arms full and I have my, my phone in my hands, my flashlight and the, the people who are on the, living on the third floor had a cat and I see their cat. I say on the bed, it's kind of funny because all the rooms 
that the, the, the pub and the brewery don't use are like all decorated for the people who did live here at some point in their lives. So there's like a bedroom (laughs) where the madam, you know, slept. (laughs) And I look on that bed and there's a cat, no big deal. I look at my legs and there's another cat walking past me. And there were no two cats in here, but there was always a story about a ghost cat. (laughs) And these are ridiculous tales, but I mean, so many people saw it. So it's like, I mean, not that night I saw it, but over the time. So it's like, how can everybody have a story about this? Is it just stuck in our heads? I don't know, but it's, pretty weird feel it <laughs> that's awesome tales from the fringe man and i feel like that's the thing there's always some weird story about this place that like you know it just kind of makes you wonder like if you haven't been here well we should venture out there because do they, are they gonna see a ghost probably not but are they gonna at least see this weird building yeah they're gonna so <clears throat> does any of that like folklore ghost lore like factor into uh, like naming conventions of the beer or like artwork or any anything else? It used to. And at okay. the beginning, it's, you know, we, we felt like we were naming beers after some of the people who lived here. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they all started to sound like a Hill Farmstead beer. <laughs> I was like, all right, in a little bit, people are going to catch on and say, you're a bunch of phonies. So I was like, we can't do this anymore. It, it, it really, and they weren't just names like, you know, you know, Bridget. It was like going into Sonia and all these really beautiful, like, little bit of old tiny names and i liked it but so that happened in the beginning and then every once in a while we'd put one out but then it kind of got to be you know every you know everybody in the brewery has their own personality and their own interests so those things have to play a part and so it kind of became more about the personalities of the people making it and then again you're putting out three beers a week and sometimes three of them are new you know you, you run out of names fast (laughs) <laughs> I looked at Untapped the other day, and I don't, you know, we, you, I think breweries follow that as much as they want to follow it these days. You know, it means a lot to the people who are on it, and that's fine. But it's like, you, you can't, I don't spend all my time on it as much as I used to. But we brewed 940 some beers in seven years. And well, you lose a little bit on that. You lose a little bit of naming. Yeah. And to the labels, though, you know, Jesse, you asked about the labels and inspiration, too. Um, I think the labels are some of my favorite ones out there because I mean, you yourself pretty much make them right, Kev, and, and no, I mean, farm I, it out, farm out a little bit of it, but it's it's just a unique pattern or or um, an image of something. Uh, tell us a little yeah, bit about that label work. We try to, you know, in the beginning when we first started doing it, we kind of used a collection of artists, and maybe it was like three or four, and we at least wanted them to all have a similar feel. But that went away pretty quick when some of these people didn't produce art very often. And all of a sudden we needed three labels a week. And so we kind of sought out a couple of them. One who still does a lot of the work. He was, you know, he was a fine arts major and he kind of gave us his entire body of undergraduate work. And a lot of it all had the same exact feel. It was cool. So he did like, like almost like a year's worth of labels. Um, the head brewer's father was a prolific painter in his day. And so we have all, a lot of his artwork and they, they're very different ones, like fine art painting. And the other one is like photo manipulation and mixed media, but they had a similar feel. And then even after that, you're, you're still, you're still looking for 40 some labels. You're still looking for, you know, how do you keep finding it? And so I would do some of it, but you know, I hated doing, I felt like I was my own worst critic and I just didn't want to produce it anymore. And so we just started to find all of a sudden, like some people just came out of the woodwork and now I, there's like a series of people in London who do artwork for us. 
that's awesome. It's, it's, it's awesome. They, all, they never know thing. each other, but they all like, like referred to each other in the art world there somehow. Huh. Did you find them online or how did, do you have a connection to London? What is? No connection. It was just, you know, we had an idea for one label and like, oh, I'll just look on Instagram and I'll see if there's anybody out there who has made something similar to this just by like a, a search. And I found this girl who did this one label and I reached out to her. She was totally happy. And then she started doing it and said, she, then she said, I'm not doing as much of that style artwork anymore, but I have some friends. And then she would just, and these weren't really like physical friends. They were just online friends. And yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden one led to another, to another. And then all of a sudden it's like, I don't know. It was like some weird thing that was happening where everybody just started getting a hold of us in London. We had like four or five artists now. And now like pretty much three kind of like monthly that give us work, but it's, it's cool. And then they all get paid. I mean, everyone gets paid for their artwork and, you know, I, I've never met any of these people. Do you ship them beer? <laughs> Which is what? Do you ship them the beers too? No, I mean, some of them aren't even interested in, in beer at all. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a strange world. You know, it's like, they're just, some of them are, and like our labels, pretty much there's, there's not really any text on our labels. There's, you know, there's an image and there's a small sidebar that has like the name of the beer, the style of the beer, the government warning, and in there, uh, their name, and that's it. And they they love that enough, you know. And you know, obviously, social media, you get to you get to tag them in there, and that's cool. But uh, it's you know, it's always been like the idea I wanted to do with the cans, which but let you know, like what, what's in the can speak for itself, and let the artwork on the outside be as relevant as what's in the can, be as cool as you can make, possibly make it. So you don't try to do like tasting notes or any other like guidance to the drinker? No, no. Like I said, it's, it's. We had a letter about that recently about uh, how difficult, like, you know, someone saying it was difficult to find information on all these newfangled cans. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of split on whether I like tasting notes on a can or whether I don't. I think, I, I think I don't like the suggestions because you know that that leads you to just kind of repeat whatever it's said on there but uh I don't know. Even the ones we make all the time there little nuances do happen i mean it's not going to be a complete you know replication of the same beer i mean is the abb the same is the same half same is there these little notes that just come through different at the time sure and yeah. maybe it's things you didn't pick out the first time around and so we 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 um we don't change on tap notes if it says something on tap we don't change it if the the drinker wants to do that they're, they're they're free to do it but you know you post your beer on instagram on you know or social media and there's the notes the notes are always there but on the can it's just like you know the abv the date is on everything and that's that's great and how, who am i to say if someone tastes gardenia in the beer versus they don't know what <laughs> it is, you know and you, you put hops or any other like hop varieties or anything I don't um, yeah, yeah no it's one of those things where it's just straightforward. This is this is this double IPA. I mean, and again, since it's all here and it's not in stores, it's kind of a little, we still get that advantage to us where they're coming here, they get to read right. up before they buy it even. Yeah, that's a good point. If it was, and that's the thing. I mean, I like the way we do it, but we're also in that situation where we don't have to think about it as much. Yeah. Cool. Well, I just opened another beer. I opened Durank. XX bitter, double X bitter, which I haven't had in a long time, and this is really good. Yeah, probably the first time it's ever been on the show. Then, <laughs> no, I think I, uh, I can't remember the last time I had that beer either. I think Patrick from uh, from 
uh, Alewife brought it on. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up real quick. Way back when. I haven't had Don't... it in a long time, but I almost bought it last week. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I was trying I said, to buy beers for for you know when the brewers for his birthday, and I was trying to get him stuff he didn't have. And so I, I'm like, I don't think he's even had Einger Oktoberfest. So let me get that. And I was going to open that today, but I'm like, I've had it before. So I at least want to open something new. Yeah. But Durant yeah. was in there. So I want to give we, a shout out to uh, Browery Lane. I went, I dropped by there in Brooklyn, Greenpoint, Brooklyn yesterday. And they had a killer selection of a lot of really good imported beers that I haven't had for a long time. I feel like imported beers are like the neglected stepchild. These days. <laughs> the beer industry, but there's still, still some really good ones, despite, you know, Shelton not uh, being around anymore. Uh, Lime Ventures is, has stepped up and is still importing a lot of those beers. So shout out to, shout out to them. Man, is there, is there a, a European beer that strikes your fancy, Kev, that, you know, you like to maybe pick up often or have once in a blue moon? Not so much as when I go to a, bar and they have it on is when it really like i really get excited and it's not always an import i mean sometimes if i'm going out i'm only having one or two so i'm always finding something i haven't had but every once in a while you start you see a bitter and you're like you know what i haven't had that in so long i want to have that right now and so a lot of times it will always fall into that english category of you know if, if and i always feel like it's either a bitter or it's a saison and it's always the best thing in the world again it always remember yep. makes you remember why you got into this. Yeah. You know, I try if I go out to uh, Lidditz, Pennsylvania, and I go to the Bull's Head, which always has a great selection of beer. Yeah, this is crazy. That I just yeah. Love. Cass, did you find it? Has, has it been on the show before? It has not. I I at least just it's not checked. <laughs> Yeah, at least it's not logged, which uh, apologies to anybody that follows us on Untapped. We're about two months behind. So I'm going to figure that out this week. Um, <laughs> no, we, we it, it has not been uh, had. We'll have to go back and maybe listen to that. Right, that's like a classic that I would definitely bet had been on the show, but yeah, maybe not. Uh, well, I ripped through a second beer here, too. I did not go for another Oktoberfest, but did go for a South End lager from Queen City Brewery up in Burlington, Vermont, German Hellas. Uh, it's fantastic. Obviously, a good follow up, you know, uh, to to the Oktoberfest. Uh, what is it called? Queen City, Queen, Queen City Brewery. Uh, I, I, I couldn't tell you when they opened up. Um Obviously, you know, we can it. I was just up there recently drinking some smoked beer with the owner, and he told me to grab a sixer of this to go. Um, and that I did. Um, again, a fantastic lager brewery up there in Burlington. Nice. All right, we should probably wrap it up. Cass, yeah. what do you do? Well, I mean, Kev, where can they find you guys uh, on social media? Um, find out what you guys got going on. Uh, if they want to get a haunted, a haunted ghost tour uh, by the local tour guides, uh, how do they do all that? Yeah, I mean, social Hidden River Beer at Hidden River Beer. That's I think it's bold for like you know your Instagram and Facebook. The ghost tour and things that happen at the building itself. Again, we don't do them, but we always it, we're linked together. So it's you know you can go to our website and there's a link to Britain Lodge. That's the name of the building. The pub is in Britain Lodge. And uh, right now in October, they do, they do ghost tours all year long. 
but in October, obviously there's more. And so, uh, like two times, I think two times a night, every Saturday, one time a night on Friday. And, um, they sell out very fast in October. People always, you know, it's something to do. When I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but there's always, there's always a way to find you. If you find us, you can always find how to, I mean, people call every single day in October wondering about the tour tonight. And I usually don't even have the answer because I don't, you know, don't run the tour, but, uh, it's, it's awesome to just see people's excitement about it. So definitely that way. Um, you know, we post as often as we can, you know, for is Instagram, like, your main outlet for stuff. It definitely is. Yeah. You know, we, we, our website, we keep up to date, you know, I, I never in the history of the, the, of the business have we like been so meticulous on the website as we are now because we ship in Pennsylvania. So if you are in PA, obviously we'll ship to your home and that happens in the beginning of the week. And that's, that's great. That's been a huge avenue for us because not being open Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we ship here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, so they can order, people can order online and yeah. have it shipped right to them. And it's cool because, you know, like I say, like 75% per week go to like Pittsburgh. And so it's like just nice having the following out there. Um, and then the other half, some goes, some goes to Philly, some goes right around the corner, which you always find very strange, but uh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> The guy across the street's too lazy to walk over and hey, I don't people got busy lives these days. You know? It is, you know, and I, 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 you know, I've sometimes I've looked up people who want to order like, you know, twelve four packs, and I'm like, oh my god, they live ten minutes from here, like the shipping is insane, and uh, but they're like doctors, you know, so I get it, you know. Yeah, they probably aren't around during your open hours. <laughs> they just want it delivered. I know they're like, you know what, you close at eight, I want to get there at nine. You open at yeah. noon, I can get there at ten. So it's and that's exactly. Kind of, I, I kind of I like I like that the shipping has been something that you know you you see you look at a name list on a Monday morning you're like oh this is awesome you know so many people are ordering every week or they're ordering every two weeks and oh I've never seen this town before where is it and it's like Erie Pennsylvania it's like you know I can't go any further it's great that's awesome that's awesome well thanks for coming on kev we really appreciate it um we usually have a letter we usually have a letter at the end of the episode too uh that yeah, uh, we have we have a letter or two but they're addressed to uh the two usual hosts who are not here and cannot answer those questions so we'll wait we'll save those for a later episode yeah so if you want to write letters that are addressed to justin and myself you could do that at steal this beer podcast at gmail.com you can follow us on all social medias at steal this beer see what we're drinking on untapped steal this beer uh face libro facebook steal this beer what am i missing joss i think that covers everything uh, right? yeah i think that's it all right y'all get at us cheers <laughs>